Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great today. It is a Tuesday and on the show today we will recap the NFL weekend Sunday games, Monday night football with the Bucks and the Giants. Toward the end of the show we will do unpack this about a comment made by Mike Tomlin and his approach, the team's approach to Lamar Jackson. And, of course, they got the big win uh, Pittsburgh did against the Ravens. And so we'll unpack that in a little bit. So we'll have some fun there. And really, through eight weeks, we're, we're right at that, that halfway mark for a lot of these teams, uh, depending on buys. And we, we, we know who's, who's going to be there in the end. We do know that. What's interesting is, what do we do with the teams that look like their season is basically done? How do, you, how do you keep going through the second half of the season when it appears over? So we'll look at that as well. Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. So heading into the year, two teams that I really liked, that I was high on, that you know, some people were high on, but but I was really passionate about the Colts and the Steelers. And I must say, at the beginning of the year with the Colts, there was some concern like, uh-oh, maybe they're not so good. Maybe Phillip Rivers isn't the answer. But following their game on Sunday, coming off a bye, beating a, a Detroit team that really had been playing pretty well, that was a convincing win to win 41-21 and it really is about the defense for the Colts. And Darius Leonard was back. This is a legit elite defense. And last week on the show, I talked about just the importance of defense. And, well, duh, but we overlook it. it just as, as NFL fans in today's fantasy-driven world, which I'm guilty of this, we overlook the defenses. But in the end, you want to have a great defense. And Pittsburgh does, and Indy does. And... That's why they are going to be in the mix at the end. The Chiefs are still the team to beat, whatever that was against the Jets. I mean, that, do we call that a football game, a, a scrimmage, a practice, you know, a, a fun little Sunday afternoon, throw the ball around type of thing. But, but the Chiefs, they're great. They're, they're right there in the mix, or they're their team to beat. The Colts and, and the Steelers are in the mix with them in the AFC. And the Ravens, they're right there as well. We, we don't want to write them off just because they lost to the Steelers. But And then we'll talk about the Titans in a moment. But the Colts with Rivers, the key number is going to be interceptions for him. And, you know, I don't think the volume is going to be there. Like, he's not going to throw 350, 400 yards like he once did in the prime of his career. He used to throw a lot of passes. But for him, it's a little bit more managing, not turning over the ball, and just allow the Colts' defense to really thrive and you know keep them off the field 
a little bit. So get that rushing attack going. And Jonathan Taylor didn't really have an impactful game. 11 carries, 22 yards. So a little surprising there. They actually gave the ball to Jordan Wilkins a lot. And then Naheem Hines, who had disappeared, got back into the mix and and scored a couple touchdowns. And you saw him dancing around and, and doing flips. Uh, flipping more so than dancing. We'll, we'll get to Drew Locke and his dancing momentarily. But but anyway, I, I'm just I'm, I'm more convinced of the Colts and they're five and two, and and with the Titans showing they're vulnerable, I, I think we can have confidence that the Colts will win this division. We we weren't saying that a few weeks ago, but I, I think at this point with the the number of weapons the Colts have, like they're not relying on one guy on offense. It's not built around one player. They, they've had some injuries, and, and I think they'll be fine. Even if a guy gets hurt here or a guy gets hurt there, T.Y. Hilton is their biggest name, but he's banged up again and really hasn't done much this year. So I, I like some of their other you know, younger wide receivers and, and Zach Pascal and the number of tight ends between Mo Alley-Cox and Trey Burton, who's finally healthy, and, and then, of course, uh, Jack Doyle getting into the end zone last week. I, I really like where the Colts are at. The the Titans on on the other hand, what in the world? I mean, how did they lose to the Bengals? And I, if you look at what was the more surprising loss or the tougher loss, the Packers losing to the Vikings, a little bit of head scratcher, but that's a a divisional game, and that, you know, that's fine. The, the Vikings figured out a formula; they ran the ball, they beat the Packers. Not too much panic there. But with the Titans losing to the Bengals like that, and just the way the Titans have been playing the last couple of weeks, there is a major concern about their defense. It, they, they don't have the guys there, and, and the fact that Vrabel is a defensive guy, it, it's just very confusing. And I, I still think the Titans' offense is great with Tannehill, and Corey Davis is playing really well, and A.J. Brown, of course, and Derrick Henry is as good as any running back in the league. So they will be in games, but... If your defense is allowing the Bengals, who were banged up on the offensive line, they were out. They were without their starting running back, Joe Mixon. They have a rookie quarterback, and they're lighting you up and, and playing so well. That's, that's concerning. So, to me, that opens up the door for the Colts. And, and really, they're going to go head-to-head, and, and it'll be a tight race to win that division. And, and both of them will probably make the playoffs anyway. At this point, I, I feel more confident in the Colts with their veteran QB and Phillip Rivers, the sense of urgency that he feels. This is kind of his, his last hurrah to, to make a deep run. And, and who knows? With, with the way this year's going, anything can happen, and, and the Colts could win the Super Bowl. It's not that far-fetched. Uh, it's just getting in and, and putting yourself in position so, uh, and getting healthy toward the end of the year. That's really what it's going to come down to. It's kind of the case every year, but this year specifically with, with the Rona going on, uh, you got to be healthy, and so once it gets into the playoffs, it's wide open. Though those are uh, a couple teams initially from the the weekend that was that were intriguing for me, and then there are a few teams on the opposite end where I feel like they're done, and I'm curious what that will mean the rest of the way. So I think the San Francisco 49ers are officially done. I think with Garoppolo going out, George Kittle out for the season, their running backs are always injured, and, and they do have the depth, and they still run well regardless of who's out there. But they had injuries to the defense early in the season. I just don't see them 
being a contender and a, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, it, it's kind of Super Bowl or bust. I, I'll just be curious the the mindset, the approach, the motivation without your quarterback and best player in George Kittle. So Garoppolo, okay, he's out. Kittle's your best player. He's done, which basically for the year, that division is too good. I, I talked last week about the Cardinals. I'm coming around on the Cardinals. I was, I was wrong about them. And Seattle is not going anywhere, even though their defense is very concerning. The Rams, uh, we'll get to in a moment, they're probably not. I, I, actually, Arizona's probably better than the Rams. But I just think the 49ers the fourth team in that division, and I think eventually their season is just kind of it's a lost cause. So that's intriguing, though. What will they do? What will the Dallas Cowboys do? Because their season is almost all but over. Because if you watch them on Sunday night, you know, poor Ben DiNucci. I mean, he was running for his life. I had high hopes that, that maybe he would come out and, and be the Tony Romo out of nowhere, just a, a likable guy you root for. But you're almost just rooting for him not to get injured. And, and he just looked very uncomfortable, not very confident. And the offensive line for the Cowboys, which was always such a strength for them, is not very good. They're not protecting the quarterback, and they're not opening up any holes and Ezekiel Elliott, what is going on? He can't run the ball. Because Tony Pollard comes in, and he's at least making something out of nothing. But Zeke, is he only this good because of open holes? I mean, good basically, based on the last couple of years, he's been awesome. So has that just been holes, or, or what is going on? Because he's getting stopped at the line of scrimmage. He, he's not getting that second burst. He's not breaking out for those big 20-yard runs or 50-yard runs that we know he's capable of because we've seen him do it before. It, it's very interesting. The, the Cowboys don't seem to fully trust him. And, and when Pollard goes out there, he actually looks better. Andy Dalton's out this week. Again, he, he's, I guess he failed a test with the Rona. And, and so Danucci will get another shot. But the Eagles aren't great. And the Cowboys were in the game. That's fine. But they just didn't look good. The offense didn't look good. And it was more of the Eagles not playing as, as well as probably they should have uh, the re- was the reason that was such a close game. So the, the Cowboys, though, they're probably, I don't know, one, one loss away, two losses away from that season being over. And, and it, I guess it, it will depend on how long Andy Dalton is out. Uh, like, can he get healthy, get back? Because... I still think he's one of the better backups in the league, and if he gets going and he feels comfortable and he's getting the, 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 the wide receivers involved, they've got the weapons. You're telling me Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, you can't score some points with those guys? Absolutely. You just got to give them the ball and, and, and have that offense out there a little bit longer. But they've got to get some, some healthy offensive linemen or figure something out, get those guys motivated. I, I don't know what's going on with McCarthy. It's, it just doesn't seem to be the fit. And, and so they're, they're clearly underachieving, but you know there's a talented running back back there, and he's not doing anything the last few weeks. He, early in the season, he did fine, but he, even then, he wasn't, he wasn't getting all the goal line touches. Dak was taking a lot of those. He just wasn't having the explosive games that we've seen in years past. So Dallas is, you know, right there as far as uh, I don't know what they're going to do the the rest of the way. Um, the Jets, of course, are a, a dumpster fire, but it's almost like they want to be. And I was listening to somebody talk uh, on the radio or TV or something that 
of course they're not going to fire Adam Gase. They want to lose. They want to get that number one pick. So they're not going to bring in somebody to bring in a spark. You know, make a coaching change, and, and then you get the, the little bump that, that we're seeing with Atlanta, at least. They, they won last Thursday night, so they've won a couple games uh, with Raheem Morris. So the Texans still, they're another team. Here they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Deshaun Watson, and their season is almost all but over at this point. Midway through, do we, do we see them turning it around? I don't think so. We'll see if Will Fuller any moment now, if he gets traded. Um, but they're just not dynamic enough or strong enough or deep enough to be better than the Colts or the Titans. So they're a distant third in that division, and they're already starting in such a hole uh, with, with just one win on the season. So it's not looking good for them. But what, So what does that mean? I mean, does Deshaun Watson continue just to go out there and play as, as well as he can? I mean, that's just a tough spot to be in. When you've been a playoff team and and now you've got an interim head coach, oof, that's a tough spot. And then lastly, we got to talk about the Patriots, another team that midway through the season, two wins, it's not going to get any better than this. They got off to a strong start. It was kind of surprising, and we were all excited for Cam Newton, and we thought, oh, here they go again. In the, you know, some of the comments by Bill Belichick just talking about how you know they went all in to win the Super Bowl in recent years. And, and they won, what, three of four, and they're in it basically every year in the AFC Championship game. And they, they've got as, as much dead money as, I think, seventh in the NFL, where guys just are they're not even on the roster anymore. So they're, they're still getting paid, or the money still counts against their cap. And so... They just don't have the players. They're, they're rolling out a team that isn't good enough to win games in the NFL, and Bill Belichick can only do so much. And it's been interesting because you listen to some of the analysts and, and of course, people like Rex Ryan. This is their chance to, to beat up on the Patriots. I, to me, it's like it's not even – I don't know why you're beating them up. Okay, they have a down year. <laughs> they had a 20-year run. They were unstoppable. If they lost games, it was probably just because of their own their own issues. Nobody was stopping the Patriots. Nobody, maybe the Giants. I guess the Giants over the years they were the the one the one Brady killer, I guess. But but both of those Super Bowls were tight and could have gone either way. And the, the Giants kind of made a play at the end and, and were able to win those games. But the Patriots did whatever they want. So what we're gonna pile on them now? I mean, it's laughable to me. Oh, oh, Bill Belichick, he, what is he doing? He doesn't know what he's doing anymore, and he can't, he's not a GM. Oh, give me a break. I mean, that's fine. Like, you, I, I, like, okay, maybe he's not the best GM ever, but he put together rosters for the last 20 years that, that won a ton of games, that never missed the playoffs. One year, and I think that was the year with Matt Castle, they still won 11 games. Get out of here with that. I, I just, they're not very good, and it makes sense. So you, you pull back and you go, all right, yeah, they went all in. It eventually catches up to you, and your franchise quarterback is gone. Okay, he's 43. He went, he went somewhere else. You, you rode him as long as you could, and now you're dealing with the ramifications of that. Not to mention, they were one of the teams that had more players opt out because of the Rona. And, and then throw in a few injuries, throw in some guys getting the Rona this year. Their quarterback, Cam Newton, did. It's just been a tough season for them. So the question becomes then for me, why didn't Belichick 
retire. Like he had to have known going into this season that this was the end. And, and maybe maybe in his pride he thought, eh, I can I can try to make this work. Or does he really is he just intrigued by the possibility of rebuilding and using the because we'll have much more uh, cap space moving forward and and go draft a quarterback? Does he like that idea? Because at this point they look like they'll be getting a top pick. Um, doesn't look like Cam Newton will be their long term solution or three four year solution at that. So is that I, I'm just curious like what motivates him at this point? He's already the best coach ever, and sure, guys will make cases for other coaches over the years. Old-time coaches, Don Shula, Jimmy Johnson, whatever, you know, different names. Um, but he's the best, in my opinion. And I was listening to Chris Sims, and he was making just a great case that, of course, it was Belichick all those years. Like, Brady thrived under, under Belichick. And even though Brady's doing well with the Bucks. It doesn't take away from Belichick. And I, I talked a little bit about that on last week's show. I still lean toward Belichick. And I, I'm, I'm willing to give love for Brady and, and what he's doing with Tampa Bay. It's great. Good good for him. But it still starts with Belichick. And so the idea that people would criticize him, criticize Belichick this year and, and pile on, it's, I, I just, I still, I can't get over it. Like, it makes me want to giggle. Like, really? This is your chance, guys, to, I don't even know what you're, what are you criticizing? Oh, they, they spent too much money to go all in on Super Bowls. Oh, they lost their, their franchise quarterback. Okay, cool. The, the Bills or the Dolphins, this is your chance. This is your one chance, probably. It's your one chance to win the division. Because I expect if Bill Belichick wants to continue to coach, they will be back. They will. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see the Bills in the playoffs. And, and the Dolphins, they got a nice win over the weekend. Tua, still, we got to see what he can do. He, he didn't show a ton. It was the defense, it was the special teams that, that won that game for the Dolphins. And the other thing, too, the Rams, I, I started to realize they, they're fool's gold. They have five wins, four against the NFC East and one against the Bears. So we'll give them the Bears. Okay, fine win. But the Bears aren't unstoppable. They're, they, they've shown their weaknesses in, in recent weeks for sure. And, and, so, and so the Rams, they, they've got some concerns. They won some games, but they have some concerns if they want to make a playoff push. they got to figure out the run game and get some consistency there. Jared Goff, it's interesting. Him and Carson Wentz came out, same draft class, first pick, second pick. At this point, I'm not sure that either franchise is 100% all in. Well, I know the Eagles aren't. And I can't imagine that the Rams are 100% in on Goff. Neither one of them is is playing at an elite level. And when you're drafted first or second, that, that's the expectation, to, to be one of the, the top quarterbacks. And it's been a few years you know, in the league, three, four, five years ago, they, they were drafted. And, and so they should be in there you know, getting close to their prime of their careers, and they're surrounded by question marks and inconsistency. And, and I think the Rams... They've got a lot of talent on their roster, offensively and defensively, that their expectation should be a playoff team and competing for Super Bowls. Talk about another team that has invested a lot in contracts and going after top players and paying Donald and Jalen Ramsey and their wide receivers, Cup and Robert Woods and all those guys. So it, they got to get it together. They, they, I'm, I'm not... 
they're on the fence right now. And that was a tough loss to lose to Miami with a rookie quarterback. So anyway, those are, uh, those are some thoughts on, on, on the teams that what does it look like the rest of the way? I guess you can put, to me, Green Bay is fine. I, I, their defense definitely raises some questions. So them in Seattle are in that, that conversation that their offense is really, really good. Devontae Adams is playing out of his mind. Rodgers is still playing great. They, they've had the injuries to the running back position, and it looks like they'll be out all their running backs this week. So Rodgers is going to throw it 50 times, uh, which, which will be interesting. That'll be fun to see on Thursday Night Football. And, and then on the opposite side with the Vikings, man, they don't trust Kirk Cousins. It's just not sustainable to run the ball that much every week. And, and we know that Cook is really good and really injury prone. And so it's just maybe they'll get a win here and there. They're, they're another team the rest of the way. It's like, what are they going to do? Are they going to put together a string of wins? I, I wouldn't bet on that. I really wouldn't. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be up and down along with the Lions, along with the Bears. That division, other than Green Bay, they're just kind of middling right there in the middle. Uh, <laughs> kind of 8-8 eight and eight type teams, if that, if that for those, those teams. I mean, the Bears' defense... And I still like Nick Foles. He's kind of in the situation with the Colts that if you don't turn the ball over and just you know keep the defense off the field, but I'm just concerned with the running game in Chicago. It's just not strong enough. Whereas the Colts, I still like their running game. Even though Jonathan Taylor didn't have a huge game, uh, not, he didn't really have a good game at all, they, they've got enough guys in that backfield to keep it interesting. But Montgomery, he rushed for 89 yards, but... He just isn't that threat that you need. And they have no backup. Without Tariq Cohen, that's a big miss for them. So the Bears' defense is legit. They were in that game against the Saints. So the Bears are they're competitive. They're tough. They're, they're in games. They're, to me, I still think the Packers are you know, they're the team to beat in the, in the division. I'm not panicking after a loss to the Vikings or that loss a couple weeks ago to the Bucs. So they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. Um, but again, in the playoffs, Seattle and Green Bay – I'm not so sure can go to the Super Bowl. Like to me, that's what that's what will hold them back ultimately. So that's why I am more confident in really the AFC teams because they've got their defenses figured out. Uh, even Buffalo, for that matter, they're they're a little interesting. That was a, that was a key win. They got to knock off the Patriots. The Buffalo the Buffalo team. The jury's out. The, these next couple of weeks for them. They've got to prove that Allen can get back to how well he was playing early in the season. And, and still, they've got to rely on their defense as well. The, the, the defense is going to have to carry them down the stretch in the AFC if they want to compete with the Steelers, the Colts, Titans, Ravens. You know, that's Wow, Chiefs, of course. The Chiefs are in. So put the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. I think we're all good with that, right? <laughs> we're all good with that. All right, so let's uh, let me see any other any other things we need to mention. Oh, I did want to mention this: Drew Locke, quarterback for the Broncos. What a comeback against the Chargers! And it is beyond me why the Chargers, year in year out, don't know how to win games. What is the deal? We thought it was Philip Rivers. We thought it was. Ken Wisenhunt, we thought it was Mike McCoy, we thought it was Marty Schottenheimer. The coaches have changed. Now it's it's um, Anthony Lynn, who I like, and it doesn't matter. They, they they can't close out games. We've seen all the different. Well, actually, we've only seen Philip Rivers, I guess, at quarterback. But now we've seen Justin Herbert. They just can't win games. 
They've held a lead of 16 or more points three times and lost to the Broncos, the Saints, and the Bucks. Now, the Saints and the Bucks are probably, probably better teams than the Chargers, but what's up with that? So I like Herbert, but there seems to be something with the Chargers. They even left cities. They left San Diego, and it's the same story in L.A. I feel like I did the same take last year and probably 20 other times in the last few years. Um, it, it's, just, it's just beyond me. One thing you can lock in, I always say this, at 7, 7 o'clock or 7.10 on Sundays, if you've left for a few minutes, sometimes I'll leave, and especially now I'll put Maddie down to sleep and come back, and up oh, the Chargers are blowing a lead. Up oh, the Chargers threw an interception. This game's over. They, they lost by three. They lost by a field goal. And here we go. I mean, it was an exciting finish. Broncos marching down the field. Drew Locke gets the, the end zone, gets the down you know, to the red zone, scores a touchdown with time expiring for the win. And I guess, the, I guess the extra point actually won the game. But that was thrilling. So my question is this. Do we buy into Drew Locke? And how do you feel as an NFL fan about your quarterback doing ridiculous dances? A goofy dance all by himself. Uh, you know, I, don't even, I guess he was, I don't know if he was on the sideline or what. But what, I mean, what is this little dance? I mean, this is something that I, maybe I tried in middle school in, in front of the mirror. And then I said, ooh, that's goofy. I'm not going to ever do that in public. So Drew Locke looked in the mirror and said, I'm going to be an NFL quarterback, and I'm going to do that dance. <laughs> I'm going to do that dance when I march my team down for a, a comeback of 16 points or whatever it was. Uh, they won that game, and so I, I don't know. I, he seems a little goofy for me, like a little too cocky. Does, does cocky really work? Confident and arrogant unfortunately works like I think as followers of Jesus we, we want to operate from humility absolutely but quarterbacks on the football field it's interesting because arrogance tends to work but you still have to have a level of humility and ultimately that's what you want your character to be anyway but 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 quarterbacks you know th- there's that hint of arrogance and the the confidence that they can go march down the field and win a game so you do need that I think the cockiness that, that rubs people the wrong way. It eventually, it, it, it wears out. There it wears people out, th- those that are around you. So I'm not sure that Drew Locke, the little dancing cockiness, he's just kind of a funny character. Like, I like, I like Gardner Minshew. I, I don't, he doesn't rub me the wrong way. Drew Locke, though, is on the, I'm on the fence with him. Uh, there's some talent there, but uh, what do you think? I'm curious. As a listener, let me know. Bryce at Unpacking It. Dot com. Are you in on, on Drew Locke or not? And then, uh, yeah, my other thought today was just Bill Belichick. Will he come back? Will he continue to coach? He's 68 years old. What will bring him back? What, would he be interested in going to another franchise at this stage of his career the way Brady did? And, and, and I'm just curious, what motivates him? Because he had to have known the writing on the wall this year. He looked at his roster, guys that he signed and he's seen in that locker room the last couple of years and said, had to have said to himself, We don't have enough. We don't have enough to compete this year. We really don't. Yet he still came back. Yet there was some confidence after a couple weeks. Now what? Now what do the the, uh, Patriots do? Um, And what does Belichick do moving forward? And then last night, Monday Night Football, that was an ugly game. The the Giants, like I said earlier, they seem to be the Brady killer. They they make it tough on on Brady. I don't know what it is. But in the end, the the defense for the Bucs. So... Yeah, I, I talked earlier about the, the Packers and the Seahawks. What's their detriment? It's the defense. For the Bucks. 
their defense is their strength. That is a good defense. And then you have a guy who's been there, done that in Brady. They're, they're set up for success. I talked about last week. I, I'm, I'm bought in. I understand why the Bucs are so good. I still, I still question Bruce Arians. I, I can't help it. Even last night when there was some, some second guessing on going for it on, I guess it was fourth down. They kicked a field goal instead. It ended up working out. But even then, it's like, eh, Brady, he wanted to just go for it. Just let Brady go for it. Come on, at this point, you better, you got to beat the Giants. If you can't get a first down against the Giants, you might as well go home a loser anyway. But speaking of are we bought in, Daniel Jones, I, I can't get there yet. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not sold on him. I'm really not. So it's interesting. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, I think, you know, the jury's still out on Tua. I think the Chargers are bought into Herbert, but if you can't win the close games, it's tough. But is he really the problem? It's a Charger problem. Same with the Browns. The Browns. What are we doing, Browns? This is a Browns issue yet again. Losing to the Raiders. This is the year you got to beat teams like the Raiders. I was texting with a Browns fan today, and he blames the defense. He doesn't blame Baker Mayfield. He blames the defense. So, again, back to defense. It's all about defense. So you'll hear that a bunch here on the show. We're, we're a defense-oriented uh, show hosted by someone who only keeps up with the offense. I, I only watch the offense. Like I, I'm a fantasy football diehard, and I'm watching the Red Zone channel, watch, you know, keeping an eye on the, the offenses. However, as a fantasy owner, I know certain teams, when they go up against the tough defenses, I don't want those guys in my lineup, or I adjust my expectations. So, I guess I keep up with, with the defenses from that perspective. And I know when it comes to the playoffs, you got to have defenses. Defense wins championships. So that's the lesson for us today. So we can feel good. In, in conclusion, Steelers, Colts, Bucks, we feel good in the, with those teams because of their defense. All right, let's wrap things up. We'll talk about the, the Steelers-Ravens game, and we'll do Unpack This. And if you haven't subscribed to our weekday email devotional that we call Unpack This, it goes out Monday through Friday. It's a quick thought about sports, faith, and life in written email form. We bring it onto the show and do it audio for our listeners uh, at the end of each show. And so today, we, uh, we take a look at Lamar Jackson, and he's having an interesting season for the Ravens, because the Ravens are still good. They're 5-2, and two, no, no reason to be overly concerned, but they're not lighting it up. So they've scored 203 points this season. Guess who scored more points than them? The Browns, 206. The Titans, 208. The Texans, uh, no, I'm sorry, I, I read that wrong. I read that wrong. The Titans, sorry. The Titans have scored more points, 208. So, uh, so the Ravens, uh, you know, they're still, they're great. They're 5-2. and two. They're 3-0 and oh on the road. They're 2-2 two and two at home, which this year without fans, it's just, I don't know what you make of that, but that's interesting. And so Lamar Jackson last year lit it up, took the, the league by storm, and so dynamic, such a dual threat. And he showed glimpses of that this year, but it just isn't at that same MVP level. And what, what happens is when you play that well, that's the standard that we then hold you to in the following year and, and throughout your career. So we know what you're, you're capable of. And a team like the Steelers, though, they've been able to figure out how to limit him and force some turnovers against him. And so last year, they, they stopped, uh, let's see, they forced three, three interceptions last year, this year, they forced 
four turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, and and when it mattered most, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, didn't come up big, and and the Steelers were able to pull out the win. Their defense, you know, forced those turnovers and got them the win. The execution, the strategy, all of that is good for the Steelers. They've got a, a blueprint to limit Lamar Jackson, put themselves in position to win. But here's what was interesting to me following the game. Coach Mike Tomlin, probably my favorite coach in the NFL, this is what he said about their, you know, kind of their view of, of Lamar Jackson. He says, we respect him, but we do not fear him. And it's, it's a simple, you know, just interesting thought to, 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 to consider. And as we unpack it from a, a football standpoint, you know, the mindset that a team has, you want to respect your opponent because as soon as you don't, you let your guard down. And if you, you know, again, with the cockiness, you think, oh, I'll be fine, and you don't have that respect, you put yourself in a tough spot. And, and oftentimes you'll lose those games. And, and why do upsets happen? A lot of times because the, the team does not respect their opponent. And so if you're the Steelers, of course you respect Lamar Jackson. You respect what he's capable of. You respect how good he can be. But you don't have to fear him where you're so nervous and scared and you think he's just going to you know, whoop up on you. No, there's no way we can stop him. And there's, you know, what can we do? There's no way we can win. And, and so you don't want that kind of fear, but you want that proper respect of Lamar Jackson. That's what the Steelers have, and, and that's the, the, the right approach. And so how does this parallel for us? I think it's important to consider the words respect and fear and consider how they are a part of our lives in how we view God. And so as followers of Jesus, do we respect and fear God? And how are those two words connected? So here, here's kind of how I would look at this. Uh, instead of only having you know kind of a limited respect for God's power, for instance, we have to revere and, and fully respect His majesty because He's the sovereign creator of the universe. Our minds can't comprehend how big and wonderful and mighty and majestic that, that He is. And we need to elevate Him to, to what He deserves and respect Him for who He is and what His character is. And, and so one thing that many people struggle with is they fear God in, in the way that they're afraid He's out to get them. That, oh no, if I do this one thing wrong, He's going to get me. And they're, they're fearful of, of God in just the wrong way. That is not a healthy fear. It's, it's a nervous, worried fear. And so we, you know, people walk on eggshells and they're, you know, they're, they're so afraid not to mess up and they feel like, oh, I can never win. And, and that's just a tough place to be. And, and that's not the type of fear that we're called to have for God. We honor him. We respect him. We, we elevate him. And that, that means there's a level of fear. And I think, you know, you, you have a, depending on your relationship with your father, that, that I think determines your, that, that impacts your view of God too. And, and so if you were just scared of your dad and, and you didn't want to walk in the room with him because you were fearful of him, that he might hurt you, well, that's, that's not the kind of fear God wants us to have of him. But if there's the, the respectful fear of, I know my dad's in charge, I know that, that he loves me, 
and I know that he you know, holds me to a certain standard and, and, and has a uh, you know, plan for this household, so to speak, um, that you want to live up to that. You want to love your dad and honor him and, and respect him. And, and there is that fear, that proper fear. So that's how I would you know, compare that. And, and when you talk about you know, fearing Lamar Jackson, there's that proper fear that you, you don't get so worried that you can't ever stop him or win against him, but you, you fear him to where you take him seriously. And you take what you know, Lamar Jackson's trying to do seriously. And so for us, we take what God, who he is, and, and the plan that he has for us, we take that seriously, and, and we respect him, we fear him in the, in the correct way. And so we understand his unconditional love. We understand and trust that his discipline is because of that love. So he's not out to get us. He's not out to punish us, but sometimes discipline is a part of it. And then the other part of it, too, is that if we don't receive his, his grace and salvation, there is the ultimate punishment, which is death. And, and thankfully, though, Jesus paid that punishment for us, and so we don't have to deal with that, that punishment when we accept and receive that free gift of salvation and, and the grace that he offers us. But out of that, and when we understand that as followers of Jesus, we still, in response, we, we're, we're filled with awe and adoration leading to dependence and obedience because we know what Jesus had to do on the cross. And so it gives us that respect and that proper fear of, of God because of what he's done. And so we acknowledge that God is capable of anything and that he's capable of, you know, um, punishing us through eternal death, but out of his goodness and out of his love, he made a way for us to know him and be with him. And so it fills us with awe and, and, and respect and thankfulness that, that we want to live not taking advantage of his grace to where we just then do whatever we want, but it leads us to repentance and obedience and following him day after day and trusting him. And so let's go to the Bible. Uh, I go on and on about this, but, but I, I think it's really interesting for us to think about. And, and what does it mean to respect and fear the Lord? And so in Proverbs 1.7, in the Amplified Version, it says, The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. But arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. So fear is the beginning of knowledge. And, and so the, the, the proper fear of the Lord, and that's where we start, when we, we put him in his proper place. And so when we embrace who God is and, and the fact that he demonstrates grace, love, holiness, and justice, there's justice, um, we're led to a worshipful heart that gives him our highest respect. And so by taking his almighty word seriously and knowing we don't deserve his grace, we have a healthy fear that leads us to please him and honor him in the way we live our lives. And so again, in Proverbs 22.4, it says, the reward of humility, that is having a realistic view of one's importance and the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Man, so it's, it's, it's it, the fear of the Lord. Great value, great importance, and a great starting point for us. And so, as we think about Mike Tomlin talking about Lamar Jackson, <laughs> saying we respect him but we do not fear him, 
let's take it a step further. And for us, let's respect and fear our God who loves us and made a way for us to know him. And in many ways, respect and fear are synonymous. They, they, they go hand in hand to have that, that proper view and perspective of the almighty, all-loving, grace-filled, just God who wants us to spend eternity with him. And he's not out to get us. He is not out to get us. And we don't have to be fearful in that way where we're walking on eggshells. But we walk with confidence. We rest in him. And we acknowledge that, yeah, hell, hell is an option. Hell is an option. And, and that's a, that, that, you know, that provides some fear. Well, I, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to spend it with God. And so that, that, there's a level of fear there for sure. Um, but it comes from a place of recognizing God was willing. He, not, he didn't want to force me. He's not going to force me to join him in eternity for heaven. But he's going to give me that option and invite me to know him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and, and invites us uh, to receive that salvation, to believe, and, and to rest in what Jesus did for us on the cross. So it's, uh, man, it's a powerful thought to, to think about. I don't know how often I think about, man, what does it mean to fear the Lord? So I hope you're willing to do that. And thanks for uh, sticking with me uh, through this podcast today. We'd love to know your thoughts. Bryce at unpackingit.com. And we will talk to you next week here on the Unpacking It podcast. We've got some really exciting things going on here at Unpacking It and look forward to sharing some of that with you in the coming weeks and months and continue to, to support us, pray for us, and, and, and we're here for you as well. So reach out, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. As always, I like to, to let you know that I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.